On this episode of DLN Extend, we discuss whether or not rolling is the way to go for Linux distributions. This episode of DLN Extend is brought to you by DigitalOcean and Bitwarden. Welcome to episode 69 of DLN Extend. DLN Extend is a community-powered podcast. We take conversations from the DLN community from places like the DLN Discourse Forum, Telegram Group, Discord Server, and more. We also take topics from other shows around the network and give our takes. With me today is Wendy, the high jump photography champion, but not with me is Matt, who's the shot put distance champion of gaming enablement. So how are you, Wendy? I'm doing pretty good, but if I was categorizing myself as an Olympic event, it would probably be in the weightlifting class because that's what I do. Not in that <laughs> professional level. So instead of the high jump champion, you're more of a clean and press champion of uh, photography then? The deadlift master. The deadlift master of photography. All right. <laughs> well, let me write that one down for the next time the Olympics come on. So about four years from now. Sweet. <laughs> well, what's been going on in your world? I understand you have some new hardware on this way. I do. I'm so excited. I had ordered my pine time. I've been watching the shipping like a hawk and it should be arriving today sometime this afternoon on day of recording. I cannot wait for it to get here. If I can control my want to just open it immediately, I will see if I can't do like an unboxing and that kind of thing. A first comparison between the smartwatch that I wear every day and the Pine Time. I'm super excited about it. So I guess after we're done with this, I need to get everything set up to record that unboxing because if I don't do it before it arrives, it's not happening. Well, I hope you do that because I would like to see your impressions of the Pine Time. That's something that I want. I just have to really commit the dollars to it, I guess. Maybe my problem is I don't have headspace right now for it, but it's definitely something that I want and I'm very excited when the spirit moves me when I'm ready to actually jump in on that because... I've had some smartwatches or smartish watches, some like Fitbit and then Garmin. Yes. And I just don't like them. I'm tied to an application, a specific application on a phone. It makes me agitated, I guess. Yeah. One of the nice things about the Pine Time is you can use it with different applications. That will be an advantage to some of these other smartwatches that are out there. The first smartwatch that I ever had was one of the original LG smartwatches. And I've pretty much had a smartwatch ever since. But I love the way that they do notifications and stuff, because I do not like to have volume on on my phone. So I'm really curious to see how this one will work, not only with the Pine phone that I have, but with my everyday Motorola device. So it'll be an interesting way to kind of play with it. I'll keep you guys updated on that. I also am thinking about getting a new graphics card, and I know this isn't really a shock and surprise. I see this, yeah. (laughs) I am still currently using an RX 580. And while it has been a really good card when I bought it, it was like 250 bucks for this card. Really not super expensive in the line of cards. It's been running fantastically the whole time, but it is definitely a little long on the tooth for some of the stuff that I'm trying to do. And one of my monitors is a 4K monitor. And I noticed it just working a little bit harder than it should. I have a line on a used MSI RTX 2070 armor. And the biggest thing holding me back is it's not the fact that this card is way more powerful than my current RTX 580. It's the fact that it's an NVIDIA card and I'm having a hard time justifying dealing with some of the issues that just inherently come with NVIDIA. So I know that this card is a great price. It's a fantastic jump in actual hardware which I can use the power of in many different ways, but it's 
gosh dang it, I really don't know if I want to deal with the issues that just inherently come with using NVIDIA on Linux. I can understand the reservation, but I have also heard many, many, many great things about NVIDIA. You know, they've been opening up a lot more of the standard and whatnot, and also becoming more Wayland friendly and many other things. So you may actually be buying it at a good time if you got it now. I'm not trying to enable you to buy hardware, but I'm going to go ahead and enable <laughs> you since Matt's not here. If you did get it, let's say, if it's not 100% right for you like today, I mean, you have to pop in your other card. I'm pretty sure that in the very near future, it's going to be a lot less painful of a process to get set up. There are some positive things coming on the horizon for using NVIDIA, and I'm hoping it gets better and better. And maybe you might help out the Manjera community too, should you have problems with it after an update or whatever. I realize you're busy. You don't have the bandwidth to mess around. It could be a positive thing, not just for you, but for the community at large. Not that I'm trying to guilt you into buying it, but you know. <laughs> One of the things is Magneto also uses this system. Right. Do an update and I don't automatically reboot, make sure everything runs. And so then I'm out of the house and Magneto comes home and he wants to play some games, but we're at a black screen. Right. We don't want him like using his superpowers to crush your computer because that could be exactly. bad for everybody. Exactly. <laughs> Right. So I'm still back and forth on the fence of this. I'd love for the community to kind of pipe in. What do you think? Is it worth it to go ahead and deal with some of the potential issues that could be NVIDIA or just wait until prices come down a little bit more on AMD stock? Whatever decision you make, I think it's going to be the right decision. Whatever route you go, good things can happen. Good things will happen. Moving has kind of consumed all of your life for the last few weeks. Have you gotten to do anything fun recently? Yeah. So the first purchase that I made that I had sent to my new house was a proper motherboard for my new computer build. I'm going to talk about this more at another time. Well, I'm working on a video for the case. Let me step back here a little bit. So back in October, Matt, the enabler, he sent me a link to this My Retro Computer, this My64. That's a mini ITX Commodore 64-like case to build like a modern computer but have, have a retro look to it. And I know I've sent you a picture of it. It's a great computer, but I was having problems. Nobody told me about PC Part Picker, and I wish they would have because I basically I bought some things I shouldn't have and have some extra parts now as a consequence. But I did have sent to my new house the first thing that showed up there was a proper motherboard with the right chipset to handle the Vega graphics that are built onto the AMD Ryzen 5 3400G CPU. I think I got that right. I could look it up, but I don't want to because I don't want to click around. And then I had a few moments like after the kids went to bed. Okay, so I basically had a couple hours. I went down into my temporary lab studio thing and I put the machine together. I had a few issues because it's a very compact build. I use packaging tape, but Captain Tape probably would have been better to keep some of the USB wires that go into the keyboard above the CPU fan because it was rubbing. It's that close. I got the thing together, and I've been playing with it for about the last day. I had one full day of actually you know, using it intermittently. The Cherry Blue Switch keyboard that is built into it, a very similar design to what the Commodore 64 had, is absolutely amazing. You know, I've appreciated a good keyboard, and I've liked laptop keyboards mostly. That's what I've mostly used. But this is my first desktop essentially main rig that I've had since like the last 20 years or so. Wow. And I really like it. The one thing that I think I didn't appreciate about a desktop is because everything is modular. So like I have one microphone on this computer now. I don't have the multiple inputs that my laptop would have, especially in a dock station. So it totally simplified my microphone setup. I had a meeting right before we recorded with some people at OpenSUSE. There was no fiddling around to get things working. I now understand completely and fully why a desktop is a better platform than a laptop for doing a lot of work. Not that a laptop is not useful, but there's something almost more, I don't know if appliance-like is the right word, but purpose-built, I guess. Desktops are easy to have the KISS method 
you just have what you need plugged into it and it's plugged into it all the time instead of taking things on and off and that kind of stuff. I only have one microphone. Well, technically there's two microphones on this system because there's the microphone that I use for podcasting and then there is a microphone built directly into my webcam. I do have one, though you don't see me on it very often. Thank you, slow internet. But <laughs> I go into settings and inside settings, I turn off the microphone for the camera. So I tell the system that it's not there. We don't ever want to use that. If we're using an input, it always goes directly to the main mic that I use for this kind of stuff. And I don't have to do any fiddling with that because stuff never comes on and off the system. Makes it so much easier. Right. And also I use a dock station with my laptop typically. And so when you dock, the computer's got to do the juggling or whatever of hardware when that happens. And every once in a while, sometimes it doesn't juggle correctly. And that's not a Linux issue. That's definitely a hardware issue. There is that as well. The dock station has another set of audio devices on it that it has to recognize and sort out and whatever. I'll have more that I'm going to share about this very soon. I did want to make sure that you and Matt, but you know, Matt has other obligations that he says are more important than us. I know it really hurt my feelings. Not really. I'm really (laughs) excited about this build. It's a nice system. I got everything within the recommended thermal limits of the machine. The case does get a bit warm. Not like crazy warm, but it is slightly warmer. The case fan not really sending out hot air. It's not really that warm coming out of it. This is my first time recording with it. I'm hoping that everything goes well. Me too. It looks like an awesome build. I love the picture that you sent me. I can't wait to see what it looks like as you continue to develop this concept and get it really where you want it to be. I got a whole other part of the project I'm going to do as well. I promised Michael, so I'm going to hold me and every one of our listeners hold me accountable. I owe Michael an article on Front Page Linux about the case design and my recommendations around that. I'll be looking forward to seeing it. This episode of Deal and Extend is brought to you by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean recently announced their new managed MongoDB service, which is a fully managed database as a service. With MongoDB, you can focus more on building scalable, high-performance apps and less on maintaining the database. Simply offload your MongoDB administration to DigitalOcean and let them handle the provisioning, managing, scaling, updates, backups, and security for your clusters. DigitalOcean built this service in partnership with MongoDB Inc. And together, they have ensured that you will get access to all the latest releases of MongoDB document database as they become available. As a listener of DLNX10 podcast and a member of the DLN community, you can get started for free. Actually, better than free because DigitalOcean is giving you a $100 credit when you go to do.co slash DLN dash Mongo. Again, go to do.co slash DLN dash M-O-N-G-O and get started with your $100 free credit on DigitalOcean's new managed MongoDB. We want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of DLN Extend. There was a poll on Twitter about whether or not Pop! OS should have a rolling edition. And it seemed like, based on the results of that poll, a lot of people are interested in a rolling version of Pop! OS. You know, there's a lot of rolling distributions out there. You use Manjaro, I use OpenSUSE Tumbleweed. And it's interesting, the idea of having another rolling distribution out there. There's Rolling Rhino, which is not really an official Ubuntu rolling distribution. It's more of a Martin Wimpress project, I think. But it's interesting, the idea of Pop! OS going rolling. 
they have such incredible polish that they've done to the desktop built on a static base. But I understand their issue as to why to go rolling, largely for hardware enablement. They always have newer hardware. They're developing hardware. So it seems like there's certainly a need for it for them. What are your thoughts on rolling in general? I know you're on Manjaro. I want to say you got your biases already set there, but for Pop West to go rolling. It's kind of an interesting concept. So I was reading through some of the different comments on that Twitter thread. It was interesting to see that there were two pretty distinct sides to that, that no, I want to keep my Pop West the way it is built on an LTS base or hmm, I'm curious in a rolling release, but what are you going to be building on? And I definitely am a fan of the rolling releases. Do I have new hardware all the time? No, not necessarily. But when I did build this system a year and a half ago, there were some brand new components in it. And that is one of the advantage of a rolling release over an LTS is the hardware enablement stack. And this is one of those things that's been brought up multiple times throughout the network, typically by Ryan you got this brand new super awesome graphics card especially if it's amd where that enablement is typically inside the kernel lts you're not always getting those newer kernel updates and so sometimes new hardware just doesn't work whereas that is completely mitigated in a rolling release System76 is doing some amazing things with the hardware that they are building specifically for linux and having a rolling release option and I think that they should keep it an option. There is definitely reasons why people want an LTS, why people choose an LTS. So while rolling is best for me, LTS is definitely best for some people. Having it be an option, and I think something like Manjaro or like Solus where you're rolling, but it's curated in a way that you're getting updates, but not as fast as Arch arches whether things work or not all the time you're getting the update but on manjaro solus opensusa tumbleweed those updates are tested first so you're getting the newest stuff it's a little bit slower than arch but it's making sure that your system isn't going to crash that's the way of rolling that i figure is the most helpful for the average user especially if it's something that you're working on and i know System76 and Pop! OS is really made to not only just be the everyday user system, but to get work done on keeping it your usual, I don't want to say boring, but everyday LTS, and then have an option for this rolling release that's curated to make sure everything works is a fantastic way for this community to go. So I was on the last Destination Linux episode, was it 237, I think? The discussion was on underrated distributions, and I was brought on because they thought OpenSUSE is an underrated distribution. Although I largely agree, since I live in the OpenSUSE world, I think it's rated great, rated highly, but I'm also biased. Ryan did make a comment about how the rock-solid foundation of Tumbleweed with the polish of Pop! OS on top of it would be a great combination. And also, I agree with that too. But I'm just thinking, you know, so Pop! OS is built on Ubuntu LTS. They already have all their tooling and everything else built around that. So it doesn't seem like to me that switching to a rolling Ubuntu is readily feasible. I know that of the rolling Rhino, they have a staging before they release it for further testing. I don't know if they're as well tested as the OpenQA does for OpenSUSE or however they do it in Manjaro. There are obviously some complications in switching your base to something like RPM distribution or, or an Arch-based or Manjaro, but there's also going to be challenges in maybe honing the rolling Rhino as a possibility as well. Yeah, where they are built on Ubuntu, it does make it harder to have a rolling release. 
and rebasing. So having one that's Ubuntu base and one that is another OS base, say Tumbleweed, would take a whole lot of work just to get it to the same polished level that they already have the original LTS Pop OS to be. It is not something that would be a light undertaking. And that's why it's kind of curious as to why this thread was thrown out there. Is this something they're thinking about? Is enough of the community interested in having a rolling release that it makes doing this additional work worth it or not? Because it's always interesting to test the waters like that. Heck, it doesn't even have to be technology related. I do this with my kids all the time. Throw out an idea and kind of test the waters of, hey guys, we're thinking about getting rid of most of the furniture in the living room and having gigantic bean bags. What do you think? Of course, for them, they're just like, heck yeah, <laughs> let's do it. Yeah. But just testing the waters, filling things out, saying, okay, is it worth making this change? Is there enough people on board to make this change worth it? Or is it going to be too much of a fight with the community plus the extra work that uh, we're just not going to even think about it? That is a good point. Like, I wonder if they're just testing the waters to see. I mean, I doubt we're going to see anything anytime soon. There isn't a good argument to be made for the rock solid base of what OS has now. Distributing the applications is something like a flat pack or a snap on top of it. Best of both worlds there, potentially. One, they might just be trying to socialize the idea. The other thought is, is there actually a need? Is there some sort of a driving force for it? Are there some other technical limitations that they're having with the rock solid stable? What is the impetus behind doing this sort of change? I guess would be my first question. Is there a pull factor? Is there requests for it? Or is it just literally just finding out what people think of it? I'm not sure really exactly what the benefits are for the masses for rolling release. Outside of there's something to be said for how like Chrome OS is basically a rolling release. Android, in many respects, is like a rolling release, but with limits. It's a very simple process. Everything is updated, and then you go on with life and living. Windows 10 is largely a rolling release as well, except it won't roll into 11, I don't believe. Well, maybe it will. I don't believe that one will roll just because they're wanting to make a difference between 10 and 11, though Windows 8 to 8.1 did roll over, no problem. Of course, there were major issues with Windows 8 in general, so they kind of had to push 8.1 to everybody. Right. Linux in general, regardless of whether you're on an LTS or not, you're still getting security patches and all of that. And so that's one of the things that would justify a rolling release for some other people on the day-to-day -day average user is making sure you're getting those security patches. Well, Linux already does get security patches, whether you're on an LTS or a rolling. So that argument doesn't quite work for Linux in itself. Really the advantage that I see for rolling over an LTS is A, newer hardware. And I know that they have talked about getting more AMD cards in their other systems. And so that could be one of the reasons why rolling looks enticing. Yeah, that would make sense. And then another thing that's really nice about rolling is just having the newer versions of applications inside your default package manager. So instead of having to pull a flat pack or an app image or a snap, which I know there's people that really like to use those different versions of applications and I'm not dissing universal package managing at all, but I find it really nice just to pull it straight from my package manager with the same command every time. Well, I guess I use two, right? Because I am on Manjaro, I use both Pac-Man and yeah, to pull stuff from the AUR. So I guess I can't say that I use one. I do use two 
different avenues to pull packages in. But I've never been a big user of the different versions of universal packaging. I really like to just install it from the main repos if I can. I like to use the universal packages like Snaps and Flatpak for specific applications. For instance, like I like to have the OBS Snap, also the OpenSUSE OBS as well. The nice thing about the Snap is it has all the extra lickies and chewies in it that make it more useful. But I use the regular OBS one just for like testing things out, seeing how things are so I don't mess up anything on the snap. Yeah. And that's just kind of how I've been rolling lately with that. I think that's the best way to do it. It's a way that works for me. Also, like, you know, if I want to test something specific with an application, I like to do it in a snap or flat pack version because I can then just easily wipe it out. I don't have to worry about plenty of other packages that I have to get rid of or, you know, do like a purge of those other packages. It's a nice self-contained way of handling it. I don't know if it's the best way to do it. There's one way that does seem to work for me. And so I see the merit there. But it is nice to have all those system default packages. because I feel like you have better control over that as well. Kind of on the fence about it in that regard. Doesn't Pop! OS do something, some special sauce with the kernel anyway for Ubuntu? Like, don't they do some of their own kernel work? I know there's definitely some special sauce there in Pop! OS that has to deal with making sure that the hardware that is in their systems works the best it can with additional drivers and that kind of stuff that come directly from Pop! OS. So there is an advantage to using Pop! OS on a System76 system. I almost liken it to the way Manjaro has worked it to make NVIDIA work so much smoother. They have this smoother out-of-the-box feel with NVIDIA type stuff. See, there I go, almost answering my own question from the beginning of the show. (laughs) But then if you were wanting to have a rolling release style, still being able to have that special sauce built in with Pop! OS and the drivers, plus the later versions of everything, the newer kernel, that kind of extra special sauce. With OpenSUSE, they have a static and they have a rolling. I suppose they could test the waters with the rolling release just to test it. Maybe it would be less work for them if they're constantly pulling from the upstream on the work they do on the kernel. That's one perspective too. There's a lot of people that said yes. So 68.5% of the people are like, heck yeah, give me a rolling Pop! OS release. 18.6% was like, nah, I'm good. Keep my LTS. I don't even want to mess with it. And then you had the 12.9% that was like, "Mm, give us both. I would like a little bit of both. And one of the comments on this thread was, yeah, I want to use rolling for home and the LTS version for work. Play with the rolling stuff at home, get to see how it's working, but make sure that my day-to-day I have to get work done on this system stays exactly the same. For me, I use both rolling and static in my home because there's some machines I just don't want to dork around with, like my kitchen system. It's just kind of an appliance there. It's for my recipes, very basic web browsing, not any kind of major work. And so I don't have a lot of software on there. I choose the OpenSUSE Leap, the static release, as opposed to my main machines that I'm sitting at for longer periods of time. And I do rolling on those. You know, my concern now is, and I'm kind of rethinking this because I have moved and I have my internet provider is not as fast. I don't have as fast of service as I had previously. There's some concern about if I have everything unrolling, like how much is that going to clog up my internet bandwidth doing updates? Because I like to monitor them. There's maybe some merit in me switching more things to OpenSUSE Leap as opposed to Tumbleweed. I don't know. I don't have an answer for that at this time. I don't have fast internet and everything I have is on a rolling release. Everything here runs Manjaro. Of course, the school systems currently don't. They're right now on Kubuntu, which we are still in the works on possibly having OpenSUSE on those school Mm -hmm. machines. Yes, but even the other laptops that my kids use 
they're all on Manjaro. They're all on a rolling release. And I've never had an issue. I've had a system sitting for a long time and I haven't gone around to updating it. And I do an update on Manjaro. I've not had a conflict. I've not had an issue with that. It seems to do pretty well with, you know, you haven't been minding your P's and Q's and keeping up to date on the system, but it still updates pretty good. And that's usually a few of the laptops that the younger kids use. I just don't get around to getting them updated as much, but they don't also use them that often. So I'm less likely to update them. My main system and the kitchen system, they get updated on a regular basis. My daughter's laptop also on Manjaro. And even with the slower internet speeds, it doesn't seem to be an issue with getting updates done or clogging up the internet usage. Of course, I also do them at times when there's not a lot of other stuff going on in the house. And I have the advantage of being able to be a homeschool mom, being able to work from home and being able to do some of those updates at times of the day where it's not as busy. Like the evenings, the whole system is clogged up more with people coming home and streaming media and all of that stuff. I'm able to do it at low data usage times for my internet provider, which I think does make a difference. Yeah, so I guess just managing the time. I suppose I could also do like a cron job of some sorts, make it easier as well. Do we use cron jobs anymore? Isn't there some new system detimer? Is that what we use now? I don't know. You could have a schedule for when it does (laughs) that for you, I suppose, in the middle of the night when everyone's sleeping. Yeah, absolutely. And one that you can change otherwise. That's one of the things that a lot of people don't like about Windows is the automatic updates when you're in the middle of doing something and can stop it. Well, I wonder what our community thinks about rolling versus not rolling. To roll or not to roll, or Pop! OS, or any distribution for that matter. I like both. I enjoy both. So I'd like to have, I could wave a magic wand and have to worry about the technical liabilities. It'd be nice if Pop! OS went with both. I can see the merits for yes and no for having a rolling release because they are more of a commercial-based distribution. Absolutely. Make sure you're leaving us a comment either in the discourse form or on the YouTube to make sure that we know whether you're A, rolling or not, or why you're rolling or not. This episode of DLN Extend is brought to you by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the passive manager we use and trust. It's the easiest, safest way for individuals, teams, businesses, and organizations to store their passwords and other vital sensitive information. Bitwarden lets you choose the authentication to access your password manager, such as PIN, master password, and adding phrases or fingerprint security all to keep your passwords safe. Go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. Bitwarden is a password manager that I use and trust because Bitwarden is 100% open source. It has extensive security audits. It gives you the ability to self-host if you so choose. So go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. It's only $10 for a premium account, which gives you one gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F, Duo, Vault Health Reports, and more. Make the smart move like many from the community have, and go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. If you're like me, you'll want to show your appreciation by signing up for the premium edition, especially since the premium edition starts at only $10 annually. Bitwarden has saved me from getting into a serious jam numerous times. Now, you wouldn't be able to pry it from my cold, dead device. Thanks to Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of DLN Extend. Well, Wendy, it looks like you're rolling into using a different audio editor these days. Is this true? Yes, absolutely. It seems like I talk about Tenacity all the time anymore, and I've got another (laughs) update for you. I love these updates. Yay! More really awesome community-focused software stuff. Not drama. We love not drama. Same. In this relation to last week's topic, I told you that I had put in a couple of feature requests, if it was possible. One was... 
being able to have a warning or some kind of thing to notify, hey, sync lock is off. And the other one was favorites. Well, we've actually have an update on the sync lock part of it. So if you remember, one of the suggestions that came back was using a key in order to temporarily turn off sync lock. And then once you let go of that key, sync lock is back on. I told him, yeah, absolutely. I love this idea. Well, there is already two commits inside Tenacity for this exact thing. They haven't actually merged these yet, but the commits have been in. It looks like things are going pretty good. So not only when you are now unsync locked, you also have some different changes in the way the theme looks. You have that I'm holding the button and turning off sync lock. I can see the changes on the theme while sync lock is off. You let go of the button and you're back on sync lock. I absolutely love this. There's commits for this. I can't wait for this to be merged into the project. Yeah, that's great. I love to see that kind of energy where people are excited about doing things or open input and suggestions and so forth. Hopefully that makes editing for you a lot easier. I think it'll make editing for a lot of people a lot easier. I haven't had any feedback from the community to see how many people are editing multiple tracks, but anybody who is needing to keep tracks in line, this is definitely one of those features that is going to set tenacity apart for this kind of thing and being able to keep your workflow so tight and compact and not adding extra work for you. I know I mentioned it again last week about when you're editing along and you forgot that you've turned off sync lock and then all the crap, things don't (laughs) match up anymore. It's just so much time saving that is going to be built directly into the tenacity application for multi-track editing. I hope this progresses and I hope that the tenacity team and the audacity team end up working together to some level? Yeah, absolutely. I guess we'll see what happens. One of the things that they are wanting to do is make sure that any changes that happen in Tenacity can be merged into Audacity if they want to. So they are doing their best to make sure that both this project and Upstream project can still communicate and share ideas and move things back and forth. That's good. See, this way, like everybody wins in that regard. You have a more rapidly moving Tenacity that has more community input, I guess. And then you have the Muse group audacity that might be a little bit more slower moving, but then can still take from some of these ideas and benefit from the open source nature of the whole ecosystem. Of the project. Yeah, absolutely. I think of these two projects in the same way. I almost think of Darktable and Raw Therapy. While these two are not necessarily splits off of each other, they are both super awesome raw photo editing programs. And each one has its different tweaks, its different takes on things, its different versions of a workflow. And then as the end user, you can choose either one of these amazing open source projects to find which one fits you, which one fits your system, which one fits your style, which one has the tools in the way that you like to use them. This is going to be that for audio editing. And it's really hard to find a multi-track editor that works great on Linux anyway. There are other audio editors that are awesome, but it's really Audacity was the one and only, if I'm editing multi-tracks, especially simultaneous multi-tracks, it was the option. And now you're looking at at least two that I feel are really good options in order to edit from. Yeah, for sure. Everybody wins. I think it's an everybody wins scenario. Win, win, win. Love it. New house, new studio. Are you looking for new equipment? I am. I'm looking at new audio hardware. And this is something I've been noodling around anyway for a while, but 
when I want to do things, sometimes it's not necessarily, you know, streaming or whatever, but just internal. I'm not what we'd call an audiophile, but I have a like for audio hardware. So I have uh, right now a Fine or Fifine USB microphone. It works great, I think. I think the quality is pretty decent. And you're saying I was staticky earlier today, but it works pretty well. I'd like to get maybe something that's a little more flexible because I want to do some other things. And it'd be nice if I could use other audio equipment that would allow something a little more portable or flexible and also stationary. And I'll get to that in just a bit, but I'd like to get like a soundboard, like a multi-channel mixer. Yeah. I can maybe divide out doing certain tasks like be able to control my microphone with a knob on a board as opposed to going to these little menu settings on the desktop. Nothing wrong with how they do it in Plasma. It's actually pretty great. But there's something to be said for having an actual board with physical dials and switches. The thing too is then it opens up some options when it comes to microphones. I'm looking at other microphones. Again, not that the Fafine or Fifine is bad, but the issue is I want to maybe route my sound differently and or maybe instead of using pulse effects for the gate and the compression and everything else, they have some really neat hardware out there for doing this where I can just set it up in one bespoke piece of hardware. And then whatever I plug into from there, it really doesn't matter. I have the same settings. I don't have to go and configure these things in a menu or within the different settings. And then sometimes I notice like when I set up something from one computer to another, somehow it's just a little bit different between the two. I'm not really sure why that is. If I'm using Pulse Audio on one machine or in PipeWire on another, the input will be the same regardless. I'm looking at some microphones as well, specifically like these shotgun microphones. So like it directs the sound like where it's getting it from. Yeah. Some others have advised that so you can actually have a microphone away from you and it captures the audio directed. I'm still doing my research and then also doing some sound deadening panels. I don't know what the acoustics of the new room is going to be like, but I know I want it to be better than what I'm doing right now and also better than what I had previously. I'm looking at some also some sound deadening panels. I don't really know a lot about what I should use for that. There's a lot of information out there, a variety of prices. I'm sure the more you pay for, the better. There's a point where you spend too much, you're not really getting anything better out of that. Right. There's a lot to learn there as well. I'm open to any feedback or any thoughts. You can be hit up directly by email or on social channels and so forth. Might be a great discussion in the discourse forum. I'm not ready to make any purchases as of today. I have to get everything else situated first. But when I am ready to make some purchases, I'm hoping to have some good resources or narrow in my purchases. Some options and that kind of stuff going on. I really yep. like to get some things from Autorama. They have a pretty good selection. B&H is pretty awesome to pick up some different sound stuff like that. And I love reading the reviews. Those are also places where you can get used systems. And that's how I got my XLR interface. So I am using an XLR mic. It routes into a Euphoria UMC22. And then from there, it's a USB cable into my computer. That's how I use this XLR mic. And I've absolutely loved this little interface. It has some different features on it. It's really not a super fancy one, but it does have an option for direct monitoring if you want to. And it's definitely no soundboard, but it is a starter way in order to use an XLR mic and have an interface to route into a computer. I picked this one up used for, I think, $40 at the time that I got it. And through one of those two websites, it's a really awesome way to find used audio hardware. Of course, they've got lots of other hardware. But know that you're getting it from a company or a place where it comes the way they say it is. eBay can be a fantastic resource for used hardware. Local buy-sell trade places can be a great way to find used hardware, especially at amazing prices, depending on who's selling it. 
When there's something that I know that I don't want to take the chance of it possibly coming and then needing to return it for whatever reason, especially like an eBay purchase, I go through B&H or Autorama for those type of used pieces of hardware. Yeah, actually B&H is a good call on that. That's actually where I bought my AMD motherboard for my 64 build. Nice. I just happened to hop on there just because you said that. I muted the microphone so you wouldn't hear my blue cherry switch keyboard. Yeah, I was looking at maybe just getting a cheap mixer, but there's something to be said for just getting a good quality mixer once and then not worrying about it later because having something just fail on you later because you bought a piece of garbage is worse than spending a few extra bucks on the front end. That's good. Now I have more research to do there and maybe some people have some other suggestions as well. This is going to be fun. It's a long-term process. I'm not interested in dumping out a bunch of coin right now. Well, you've also spent a whole lot of money on a house and getting everything set up in order to have your new studio in general even without the new equipment. So yeah, I can definitely understand the fact that this is something to come and not something right now. And there is definitely something to be said of spending a little more upfront, especially when it comes to audio hardware, video hardware, anything like that. Because if it's going to fail, especially if it's cheap stuff, it is going to fail when you need it the most, like right before or right in the middle of doing a show. It'll fail on Wednesday at 10.55 a.m., Eastern is when it's going to fail and while you and Matt are waiting for me. (laughs) Yep, absolutely. Because that is the way that kind of stuff works. It never fails at a time that's convenient. It always fails at a time when you're like, oh my gosh, I need it to work right now. At least that's how my internet works too. It never fails at a convenient time. It always fails as, hey guys, um, I know that I'm not in the show right now, but it's because my internet crapped out and I'll be back in a little bit. Or, hey, I'm running late because my internet's not working. Or we finally get the kids to bed and it's time to sit down and watch a movie without the kids and the internet's dead. That's exactly what happens. We'd like to continue this discussion with you on Telegram, in Discourse, Mumble, or Discord. Visit the DLN website for information on how to connect to the social channels and all of our shows and creators at Destination Linux. Dot network. For more information on me, you can go to cubiclelink.com. Links to my regular written blatherings, podcast, and YouTube channel can be found there. You can follow Matt's random ramblings on Twitter at MattDLN. You can find me on Macedon at WendyDLN at Macedon.online. Be sure to check out the DLN merch store. Grab yourself some awesome DLN Extend swag along with stuff from across the network. Upcoming events. We have the live DLN Extend on August 18th at 11 a.m. Eastern or 3 p.m. UTC. The Mega Fest that is going on on August 22nd at 3 p.m. Eastern or 7 p.m. UTC. Then we have the Pseudo Hangout that is going to be on August 26th at 12.30 p.m. Eastern or 5.30 p.m. UTC. As always, we thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week with another fantastic episode of Deal and Extend. Until then, have a great week, everyone. Cool beans. That went well. I mean, I miss Matt. I like his takes on stuff, but you know. Yeah, it would have been interesting to get his rolling versus LTS perspective on this one too. He might just have to tell us anyway. I bet he will. He'll tell us anyway. Oh yeah, he will. <laughs> make sure he does. Just won't be part of the show.